This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Lydia, Caleb F., Sam VR, Amara, and Tim. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Lydia, who asks, Why were there twelve apostles? Lydia, the reason there were twelve apostles is that in the Old Testament, there were twelve tribes of Israel, each of them named for one of the sons of Jacob. Actually, this illustrates the connection between the people of God in the Old Testament and the people of God in the New Testament. In Revelation chapter 21, the church, the bride of Christ, is pictured as the New Jerusalem, a holy city coming down out of heaven. Now, describing the city, John sees 12 gates, each one bearing the name of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. He also sees twelve foundations, and on them are the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. This reminds us of how Paul describes the church in Ephesians 2 as being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The repetition of the number twelve, the twelve tribes, and the twelve apostles helps us to see that God's whole plan of salvation fits together and is one. And now Caleb F. asks, Why didn't all the people believe Jesus if he preached so powerfully? It's not the power of the preaching, Caleb, that brings people to faith. It's the power of the Spirit. And when it comes to explaining why the Spirit works one way in one person and not in another, we touch on a mystery. There are some things, though, that we can say for certain. First, if one person believes and another doesn't, we know it's not because the believer is better than the unbeliever, or more worthy, or more deserving. All of us are responsible for our sin, but none of us are responsible for our salvation. In other words, we don't get credit for believing. The glory goes to God alone. So, Any explanation that makes it seem like we must be superior, more intelligent, more moral to people who don't believe must be a false explanation, because apart from God's grace, none of us would believe. Now, if God has the power to kindle faith in us, then that should give us hope for everyone, and we should pray that the Spirit would work in them and that they too would believe. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Sam VR. Let's give him a round of applause. Here's Sam's question. In heaven, will we learn all the answers or will we not care about them? 
In every episode of The Big Question, Sam, I always make a point of reminding you that we can't answer every question and that it's a mistake to even try. Sometimes the questions cannot be answered, either because the Bible doesn't reveal the answer or because we as human beings cannot grasp the answer, maybe because of our sin or maybe it's just something beyond human comprehension. And that's why we have to be at peace with the mysteries we can't explain. But does that mean the mysteries will always be mysteries? Guess what? I don't know, at least not for certain. But I can tell you what I think is going to happen and why. First, let me say this. I don't think that when Jesus returns and we are raised with him, that we suddenly won't care anymore about the mysteries. I understand why people think that. When you grow up, a lot of mysteries that puzzled you as a child aren't interesting anymore. You see things differently, and so you value different things. You ask different questions. So, with that in mind, it's easy to imagine that in the life to come, you'll be so enthralled with that new reality that you just won't care anymore about the questions that used to puzzle you. That makes sense. Also, there's a note in Revelation 21, which I was just referring to earlier in the episode, that says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Some people read that and think God will wipe away our memories, we'll start over, we'll hit the reset button, and then of course we wouldn't care about the life that had gone on before with all of its unanswered questions and its mysteries. But I interpret that passage a little bit differently. I don't think God is wiping away our memories any more than he's wiping away our identities or our individuality. Instead, he is restoring and remaking us in wholeness with all the sin and the consequences of sin now gone. Now, from that vantage point, our former lives will look very different to us. But I think we will still care about the mysteries of this life. Why? Because the Apostle Paul seems to think so. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul there also talks about things passing away. Tongues, knowledge, prophecy, everything that is partial will pass away when the perfect comes. But after saying that, Paul adds this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now what does that mean? Well, Paul is looking forward to the return of Jesus when he will see him face to face. He says that when that happens, he will possess full knowledge, not partial knowledge like he has now. So the question is, what kind of knowledge is he talking about? That phrase of his, even as I have been fully known, suggests that he will know God then the way God knows him now. Of course, that knowledge is personal. It's profound. It's much more than just having answers to questions. But I think it does include having answers to questions. To me, it sounds like we will understand things with fullness when we come face to face with our Creator. 
Now, I can't say for certain that we will have all the answers, but it sounds to me like we will have all the answers that it's possible for us as human beings to have. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question comes from Amara, who asks, how long was the shortest sermon you've ever preached? (laughs) Amara, the shortest talks that I give, I guess, are the ones I give for special services like Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. Usually in those services, I'll just reflect on a simple text or a simple idea Oftentimes, it's something that we've already been looking at in the sermon series, and I'll just kind of go back to something and try to unpack it a little bit more and reflect on it. That's the reason why I call those talks not sermons, but meditations. I'm guessing that some of these meditations have been as short as maybe 10 or 12 minutes, but whether they count as actual sermons or not, I'm not so sure. If we're talking about honest-to-goodness sermons on a proper Lord's Day service on a Sunday, then I'm guessing that the shortest sermon that I've ever preached was about 22 minutes long. So it's possible for me to preach just 22 minutes, but it's not very easy, and it's not very likely that that's ever going to happen again. In fact, I can't imagine preaching for just 22 minutes. Um, But check your watch, and we'll see how I do next Sunday. And now Tim asks, did John the Baptist go back home after Jesus came or did he stay out in the desert? You know, Tim, this is a great question and the answer is kind of odd. John the Baptist didn't go home after baptizing Jesus and he didn't start following Jesus around as one of the original disciples either. Instead, John continued his mission of preparing the way for just a little while until he was arrested and executed. Jesus associated John with a prophecy about the return of the prophet Elijah, and many people, as a result, describe John as the last of the Old Testament prophets. His mission of declaring the king overlapped with Jesus' revealing of himself to be the king. But no, John didn't go back home when he was done, or at least not to an earthly home. He was martyred, and he went home to be with God. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking the big questions.